709. Bibles on the little white coffee tables. I can't avoid this sun, seemingly. Page 1109. And I want to say there's no condemnation, there's no guilt if you have been in that boat, if you are understanding church to be like that. You know, that's what we've grown up with, isn't it? That's perhaps the pattern of our life. But I think God tonight wants to just shake us up a bit. He wants to change that mindset. He wants to give us a true vision for what the church is called to be and to do. And Paul helps us in Ephesians. This is the heartbeat. Chapter 3, verse 10. Just look down on, on that. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. I mean, that's a pretty high call. Don't you think? That it falls to us, to you. If you believe in and follow Jesus Christ, it falls to you and to me, the church, to make known the manifold wisdom of God, to preach the gospel, to tell the truth about how this world is made and its purpose and God's plan for it and everyone in it, to make that manifold wisdom known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. I mean, bang, this is spiritual, supernatural stuff. And we've got to get a hold of this. Chapter 2, verse 6, it speaks about God raising us up with Christ and seating us with him in the heavenly realms in Jesus Christ. Where are you sitting right now? You may think, oh, I'm sitting here in St. Dee's in a lovely you know, piece of outdoor furniture. Yes, that's true. In one regard. For some of you. Thank you. There she is. That's the anointing that rests on the outdoor furniture. Come get it. You are sitting where you are now physically, but you are also sitting somewhere else spiritually. Ephesians says we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. How? I've no idea. Okay, what do the spiritual powers and authorities look like? I've no idea. But they're real. And as God's church here at St. Dee's, we are wanting to just be unashamed about embracing all the weirdness, all the craziness that goes with being a Christian, that goes with believing the stuff that we do. Because believe it or not, guys, and accept it or not, we believe some pretty wacky stuff, some pretty crazy stuff. And you may try and be as normal as you like with friends who don't believe it. But at the end of the day, if you pray, you're praying to an invisible God who you believe sits on an invisible throne surrounded by invisible angels with Jesus Christ who was a man who came and died and lived uh, and died on a cross and he was buried, yeah sure, but he rose again and he has a body that can pass through walls and move through time and uh, is living in a different dimension and one day he will come back to judge the earth and uh, those who believe in him will go to be with him forever. I mean, does this sound normal? Do you read about this in the Daily Mail? No. And the sooner we embrace this truth, the fact that just we are on a different plane, but it is truth, the sooner we'll begin making headway. And that is what Paul is unashamed about. Amen? In this book. That's what he's wanting to raise our, our mind, our hearts, our eyes up to. 
to give us that vision. So let's, let's just get stuck in, shall we? That's just a little intro. Let's just read those first eight verses that we're focusing on tonight. Before we do, let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much that we are your children. If we know and love Jesus, you have adopted us. You've made us your own. You love us with an undying love, an everlasting love. You've drawn us with loving kindness. Lord, would you send your spirit tonight? Holy Spirit, we need you. Come, open up this word. Enable me to share it, to, to proclaim it, to teach it, Lord. Word that brings life. Truth that brings freedom. And would you bring revelation to each one of us here tonight? that we might leave here loving you more and emboldened to go out and make you known. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we're reading uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be, and just listen to the tone of Paul. Whenever you read the Bible, just feel the tone. Let it just sit with you. Just, he's excited about this stuff. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship, through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. If we're to be the people of God, the church that God is calling us to be, it will take us understanding what our identity is in Christ. This is what Ephesians is about. This is what these verses are about. What can we see? What do we learn? What does Paul want us to know from this that will enable, enable us to lead a transformed life? Well, the first thing we see is that we are chosen. You are chosen. You know, the world lives seeking value, seeking affirmation, seeking acceptance and love from those around them. Seeking to be told, you're doing well, you're okay. It's looking for value all the time, isn't it? I mean, you think of people with their careers, their jobs, you know, success, money, power, fame, sex, appearance, how you look. I was amused, but it's, it's sad, you know, that Joan Rivers, that American comedian, you know, who died, uh, I think, this last week. And one of her famous quotes, she said, uh, was, um, you know, I've had so much plastic surgery that I'm afraid that when I die, God won't recognize me. Well, this word tells us that if Joan knows, knew Jesus in her life, God, of course, would recognize her because God would have known her from before the creation of the world. Paul says, you are chosen 
We are chosen. What more, what greater word to give us value could we ever hope to hear than that God Almighty knows us, that God Almighty has chosen us. And for any one of us who's experienced that that moment of being left out or that moment of not being wanted, not being valued, might be, um, you know, the playground where they're dividing teams for game of football or maybe a game of netball. I don't know, girls, what you used to do. But, you know, we divide off, like number off, like two captains, I'll have you, I'll have you, yeah, I can have you, I'd love you. There's always someone left. Or if you, you know, Facebook, the Facebook invites, the birthday parties that you don't get invited to. <laughs> I had one of those just two days ago, like a mate just saying, oh, I'll see you lose, yeah? And I was like, what? <laughs> NFI, in it. <laughs> translate that in a, in a Christian way. Flipping, flipping. We all know what it's like not to be valued, not to be appreciated, to be left out. Here Paul says to the church in Ephesus, he says it to us, he says it to every church in the history of the world. You are chosen. God knows you. God calls you by name. And not only are you chosen, it says you are chosen before, look at, your, look at that verse, verse 4. You are chosen before the creation of the world. I mean, what? Really? I mean, what, what were you doing before the creation of the world? What was going on then? No idea. It's a picture of God's grace. It's nothing that we do. It's nothing that we deserve. You know, I was around at a friend's for brunch uh, yesterday. And uh, they've got a little 11-month-old baby boy called Ned. And he's adorable. He's so cute. And they love him. They adore him. He's absolutely useless. <laughs> I mean, I watched him. And he didn't do anything for the entire time I was there. Um, he couldn't even sit up. He tried to at one point. He got his head up. <laughs> I laughed at him. Uh, no, I didn't. I loved him. I held him. Um, but they can't do anything. Can't do the washing up. They just want to eat and sleep and cry. But they are adored. They are loved. But you know, here God goes one better. He's like, at least Ned, they can see him. It's possible to love something you can see. God says, before the creation of the world, I loved you. I chose you. I mean, how useless must we have been before, the, before we were even here? And yet God says, I chose you then. Is this good news? Is this telling us about our identity? Does this sound like good Christian craziness? Yes, because it is. But to be honest, guys, there's a mixture of stories, narratives out there, all claiming your allegiance, all claiming your loyalty to their truth system in this world that we live in. Whether it's secular humanism or atheism or Islam or any, anything else in the marketplace. They're all saying, come and believe this narrative. Come and believe this story. We're just the same. The question is, is it true? And Paul is saying, yes, it's true. Because Christ came back from the dead. We can believe it. We can rest on it. This is your identity. You've been chosen. You've been chosen before the creation of the world. You're important. You're significant. You are of infinite value. You know, people say, well, if I've been chosen, does that mean God doesn't choose anyone else? You know, this is the glorious doctrine of election, that it doesn't depend on you. It's God's free choice. If you've come to Christ, it's because God has chosen you. But at the same time, the Bible upholds free will that any man, any woman can come to him. You know, Jesus says, no man 
or women, can come to me unless the Father draws them. But the, one of the final verses in Revelation, one of the final verses of the Bible says, let anyone, let all who are thirsty come, take and drink freely from the water of life. So is God's sovereignty and election true? Is it God who chooses? Yes. But is free will also true that we get to choose whether to respond, whether to receive? Yes. How are they both true together? I've no idea. We'll only know when we get to heaven. But can we at least allow for God to know some stuff, to understand some stuff that we don't? Both are true. You can go to your friends. You can invite them to come. And if they come, yes, they're responding with their free will, but yes, they're responding because God has chosen them. He wants everyone to come in. He wants everyone to know that love, that assurance, that value that they've been chosen. If you know, if you love, if you believe in Jesus tonight, that's the truth that God wants you to take away. You've been chosen. You've been chosen before the creation of the world. The verse goes on, you've been chosen to be holy and blameless. You haven't been just picked to just sit around, you know, until the Lord returns. You know, just try and bring some others with you. We've been picked for a purpose, and the purpose is to reflect our God, our Father in heaven, who's chosen us. And holiness is his nature. And it's the greatest adventure to live a different life to choose a different course to the one that the world's choosing. You know, anyone can sleep around, I think, from my understanding. Anyone can get drunk. Anyone can get high. Whatever it is, anyone can live a life of debauchery, but living a life of holiness, choosing the narrow path, that will take all of God's strength, all of God's power within you. And that is what he calls you to. He says, you have been chosen. What does it go on? Look down at your Bibles. It says, to be holy. We've been chosen to be holy. Now, someone once said um, to me that the greatest gift you can give your friends, friends who don't know Jesus, the greatest gift you can give your friends is your holiness, is living a different life, is living a countercultural life that speaks of a different kingdom, of a different value system, of a different Lord. You've been chosen. You've been chosen to be holy. But then it also goes on. Where are we? Verse 5. In love. Let's look down at that. The more you look down, guys, the more you have these Bibles open and just look at it, the more it will seep into you. The more you'll remember it, the more it will transform you. In love, he predestined us, what? For adoption to sonship. You've been chosen to be holy. You've been chosen to be children. You have been chosen to be a son or a daughter of the king. Now in the Old Testament, the word father or prayers involving calling God father were used 14 times, just 14 times in the whole Old Testament. In the New Testament, in the Gospels, Jesus refers to God as his father over 60 times, his individual father. In the Old Testament, it was for the nation of Israel. The New Testament is Jesus saying, God is my father. You may remember it as baptism. He comes up out of the water. John the Baptist has baptized him and the clouds open and a voice from heaven comes down saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And the amazing news is that because of God's choice, 
because of what God's done for each one of us in Christ. Each one of us gets to be God's son, gets to be God's daughter, gets to hear those words for ourselves. You are my son. You are my daughter. With you, I am well pleased. Isn't that beautiful? Knowing that we don't have to be in two minds, we don't have to approach fearfully, but we can approach as children. We can approach in just the same way as Jesus approached. Why? Because we are in Christ, the passage tells us. Twelve times the book of Ephesians refers to being in Christ or in him. And because we are in Christ, we have everything that belongs to Christ, including that access. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God loves me. That he came looking for us because we were lost. That he sent Jesus to seek and save us. To bring us home. Thought of an illustration. The only one, strongest one I could think of was the moving movie Taken uh, with Liam Neeson. Have, have you seen Taken? Nothing he wouldn't do. He has a very particular set of skills <laughs> which he brought to bear against the enemies of his daughter. And you know what? God has a very particular set of skills which he employed to bring each and every one of us home, to make each and every one of us his son, his daughter. We have been chosen to be children. We have been chosen to be, adoption, to, to be adopted. Now Tim, in ministry time this morning, used a great phrase, I'm pinching it, Tim. He's, Tim said, you know, I've heard of accidental conceptions. We see that in society all around us. Conceptions that weren't wanted, weren't planned. But Tim said, I've never heard of an accidental adoption. You don't just happen to adopt someone. You've been adopted because God chose you. And he chose you before the creation of the world. Chosen to be holy. Chosen to be children. Chosen for God's glory. This is what takes it off our shoulders. It might feel like, having, like flip, I've got to live an extraordinary life. How am I going to do this in my own power? But it's verse 6, look at that. We've been chosen to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. To the praise of his glorious grace. You've been chosen for God's glory. The reason we're here, the reason we exist, is to bring God glory. And you know what that does? It means the burden is off us. The weight is off us. It's not on us to make ourselves like Jesus, to live that holy life. It's just on us to allow God to live the life he wants through us. Because he won't share his glory with anyone. It's a free gift. It's for his good pleasure, as the passage says. He wants to bring it about, that life, in you freely and in his own power. It's not your doing. You were chosen before the creation of the world. It's not your deeds. You know, people so often think, don't they? You've got friends, family, don't know. 
the Lord. They think Christianity is, you know, a list of do's and don'ts. They think it's about, you know, just not living life to the full. But I said to someone the other day, or I heard a story of someone who told a friend of theirs or someone they'd met, um, yeah, I'm a Christian. And their immediate response was like, what does that mean you can't do? (laughs) Isn't that the response you so often get? What does that mean you can't do? They think it's just a dry religion, a heavy thing. But here Paul is saying it's all grace. It's been freely given. God's done it and it's for his glory because he wants to take you to glory. He wants to take you to heaven. And it's on him. It's on his shoulders so that we will worship him, so that we will praise him. He's not up there saying, right, I've done 70% of the hard work, but you've got to do 30%, okay? Or 80-20 or, you know. It's not like the hitch model, you know. Go 90 and let them come 10. You with me? You ladies are with me, aren't you? You know what I'm talking about. None of it rests on us. Not even 1%. It's all him. He's chosen us. He will do it. He will get us home and he will get the glory. All we need to do is believe. Verse 1 talks about being addressed as God's holy people and faithful people. God makes us holy. Our response is just to believe, just to be faithful, just to have faith. How do we access this goodness? If you're here tonight, you don't know Christ yet. You're wondering, what's this Christian malarkey about? How do I access this goodness? You access it simply by believing. Simply by saying, yes, Lord. I receive everything that you've done for me. You've been chosen. We've all been chosen to be holy, to be children. You've been chosen for God's glory. You know, I went um, in Lanzarote. What was I doing there, you may ask? Uh, Amongst other things, I was doing a bit of kite surfing, uh, my new favorite sport. And uh, it's a great image of like how much the, the Christian life depends on us or not. Because kite surfing, any, any sailing or any you know, wind surfing depends on the wind. If there's no wind, you literally cannot engage with the sport. I learned that, you know, to my cost in the shallows of Lanzarote. I was, I was having a great time. And the wind was up and the kite was filled and I was planing away. I was jumping, the, I was wiping out, but I was jumping some of the waves. And I was having a good time, but then the wind just suddenly died. And with it, the kite just flopped into the shallows, into the waves. And the waves just started dragging the kite. I was trying to raise it, but it's dragging the kite and me, you know, head first through the shallows, the waves, the water, and the, you know, seaweeds. Suddenly loads of seaweed, not in the main area, but then I was covered it, you know. And it, the Christian life can so often be like that, can't it? We know it depends on God. When the Spirit is blowing, when we're in the power zone, when we're filled with His life, it's a breeze and we flow with it. We, we look, whether we know it or not, we look attractive to outsiders. It looks like something they'd want for themselves. We may even feel attractive at times when the Spirit fills us. But if the wind drops off, oh, it can become a grisly business. You know, kites are dragged through the shallows, covered in seaweed, you know, And the problem is we so often don't try and get the kite in the air. We don't look for the wind. We don't say, Lord, I need you. Come and fill my sails. We pretend, oh, that's that's what kite surfing is meant to be. This is it. And yet we still try and do our duty, like invite others. Come and take up the sport. It's lovely. You know, we're going through the waves covered in seaweed. Just like, it's wonderful. No, it doesn't mean it's, you know, a life. It's life to the full, I promise you. 
and it's hopeless. It depends on the wind. It's all on God. He's designed it that way. He wants to fill your sails. He wants to fill us tonight. We're going to do that in just a moment. Just wait on him. This is why we make space here at St. Dee's. Space for ministry. Space to wait on the Holy Spirit, to honor him and say, Lord, this isn't about us. This isn't about living a better life, girding up my lines, doing better. This is about being filled with your power, Lord. I am a sail. I am a kite. Come, wind of God, and blow on me. And when that wind comes, my gosh, it's hard to control sometimes. I mean, you've got to watch out. I mean, there are guys, Kite 7, you boost yourself higher than this church. And that's what we want. That's what we need. We need to be a people of the Spirit. We need to be a people of the wind of God. We need Him to fill our sails because we need to remember it's for His glory. It's all on Him and we need to hold Him to that. And if you're dry tonight, if you're empty, if you're wondering, why is my Christian life not what it once was? Why is it not what everyone else seems to speak of? Go after Him. Seek Him. Hold Him to His Word. Say, fill me, Lord. Or I will live a grisly, unattractive life for you in the shallows. And I will put others off. Those walking along the beach like, oh, that looks terrible. (laughs) Come here, Jeremy. Sorry. That was me shielding my child. You know, they'll say, don't go near Christianity. That's awful. But if you're up in the air, if you're flying, you're with me. You've been chosen. And finally very quickly. What is the time? I can't see a, I can't see a ruddy thing. Hmm? It's just 22. Okay. Finally, what we see from the passage. You've been chosen. You've been redeemed. You've been redeemed. Look down at verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. What does redemption mean? It means you're free. It means you're free now to live the life you want to live. In ancient times, you know, they'd have a marketplace, they'd have slaves there with a price around their neck. You could go and buy one if you met the price, take them home, have your own slave. But if you were a benefactor, if you were generous, sometimes people would take the money and they would go and pay the price and release that person. And Paul's saying, in Christ, we have been redeemed. We have redemption through his blood. And the price that needed paying was death. Because each one of us has sinned. That's what the Bible says. Every human on the face of the earth has sinned. You know, I hate to break the news. If you're here tonight and you're just, uh, you know, new to church or new to Christian things, looking into stuff, you might say, oh, I'm fine. What, what do I need freeing from? Well, sin. The stuff that actually you don't enjoy doing, but the stuff you can't help doing. Your selfishness. Your greed. And this isn't a heavy thing. Because there's a solution. There's a remedy. And the payment for sin is death. That's what it says. The wages of sin is death. So out there in the world, people are sinning. They're going up to the, the marketplace of sin. It's like, oh, take that one, please. And then they look at the shop. How much is that? And it's like, um, that's death. It's like, okay, yeah, I'll go for that. And they're just stockpiling it. Death is the payment. Death is the ransom. And sin holds all humanity in bondage until God sent Jesus to live the perfect life, sinless life, and offer his life, his death, in payment for ours. You following me? To set us free so that everything was met, so that everything was honored, all agreements. We have redemption through his blood, not through his power, not through his love, although all those are at work. It took his blood, took his life, 
took his death to set us free. You've been chosen. You've been redeemed. And in that, we have forgiveness of sins. This is simply it, guys. This is the story we tell. This is what all we have to offer the world. That there's a God who made us. That there's a God who loves us. Who chooses us. Who redeems us. Who's one day, who one day is going to come and take us to be with him. Because he's forgiven our sins. He's taken them. And it says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. How far is east from west? How far is infinity? If you come here tonight, you've got stuff on your heart, on your mind. Stuff you're burdened with. Stuff that you can't seem to let go. You bring it to Jesus. You bring it to the cross. Because he knows about it. He's known you since before the creation of the world. And he came to set you free. He came to pay the price. He came to redeem you. He came to make you a son or a daughter. You know, last week, um, Max uh, was speaking. And he uh, spoke about Heidi Baker, who's in Mozambique and does an amazing work, reaching out to and welcoming hundreds, thousands of orphans into our home giving them a home, giving them a family. And she's done it for hundreds. I don't know how, but she brings them into her home and then gives them to other homes. But she takes them from being orphans to being sons, daughters. And apparently the telling moment where you know they've moved from being an orphan to being a son or a daughter is the fridge. The fridge in the kitchen. Because at first they feel a stranger, they feel afraid to approach, to go and help themselves. But then the more they realize, the more that truth comes to work in their hearts that this is their home. They are children now. They have access. Well then the confidence grows. And you see these little children who wait to be invited, who are afraid to enter to begin with. Who go straight on in, up to the fridge, open it up and help themselves to whatever's within. This is what's on offer, guys, to each and every one of us in Christ. And if we can take this into ourselves, let this truth transform us, then we will be a people who are desperately attractive to a needy, hungry, thirsty, broken world. And we will become a church that offers hope to the community around it. Because God, our Father, has blessed us, as verse 3 says, in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. How many? Every. Every single spiritual blessing that Jesus enjoyed, we can enjoy too. It's ours. God's just inviting us to come and help ourselves. You've been chosen. You've been redeemed. You've been blessed. Let's just receive that. Allow it to transform us and make us into a people who go out to bring that hope to the world around us. Amen.